Hello and welcome to Tyshar Manethrin, Wheel of Time podcast. I'm Sam. I'm Will. I just took a drink. That's why I paused. I was like, <laughs> you're good. Back, back this week talking about Lord of Chaos. We're in part nine of this uh, mini part <laughs> series yes. of, of diving into Lord of Chaos. This is one of the longer books. Yes. I think I say that every book, but this is legitimately one of the longer. I think the next book is a little bit shorter. Yeah. Just judging by the length of the audiobook. Right. Anyway. Yeah. So we are starting with chapter 42, The Black Tower. Will, if you'd like to take us away. Indeed. So Rand's perspective starts us off. Uh, Rand invites men to the farm, but after he explains that this is the place where there are a bunch of bros who can channel. She's like, yeah, I think I need to paint my nails or do something right. else. Play yeah. basketball. I don't know. <laughs> she nopes out of there pretty fast. And Rand is surprised at her reaction. But it's like, dude, you're training a bunch of people to be as dangerous as possible. Read the room, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just because you can do it doesn't mean she's going to be cool with other people being able to do right. it. I mean, they're definitely going to go insane. It's it's like you're asking her to visit the chainsaw bear training ground, basically. <laughs> yeah. And, right. Um, but uh, after she she leaves, Rand gets a couple of bags, little small bags. One is filled with something he had a sm- silversmith make. Mm-hmm. And one is filled with something he had a goldsmith make. Establishing and, his own little Boy Scout troop. Right. <laughs> he he briefly recalls the process of having these made. Yeah. Now that you've said Boy Scout troop, I do. I do remember the days of, of getting those little pins. Put uh-huh. on. It, it's funny that Jordan does his, doesn't give us more detail in the process of having these made. Uh-huh. I don't know. Sometimes the, the details he does give us, considering that he'll belabor a conversation about between, a dress. Usually he does a yeah. lot of details about dresses or like the dance, like dance moves, like very detailed choreography. Right. Exactly. Yeah. But I suppose he wanted this to kind of be a surprise still. He didn't want to like oh, reveal that's what true. it was yet. That's a good point. Yeah. Rand briefly thinks about Alana and considers that between the nine ice die that men listed and Varen and Alana, they are getting dangerously close uh, to them. You don't like them numbers. Yeah. And Rand opens a gateway to the farm and steps through. He sees that are there are over a hundred students now in black coats. And um some are jump. yeah, some are channeling, but others are practicing sword forms. This this moment's fun. A man approach approaches Ran and demands that he tell him what he's there for. You know, oh, have you come to learn at the Black Tower? And I'm just uh, picturing like a New Jersey Guido like <laughs> protein powder like yeah type guy. Exactly. Rand quietly says if that any he is Rand from New Jersey. I don't apologize. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I don't know. I feel you like probably, New Jersey you probably understand. We're like yeah, we're New Jersey's like from. yeah. It's kind of you know. <laughs> Right, right. But uh, I don't know. Florida is giving them a run for their money these days. Sure are. So a Florida man approaches Rand and... (laughs) um, (laughs) Have you done the Florida man birthday thing? Like type I have. (laughs) I definitely have. Yeah, that's what I was... Oh, dear. Anyway, so this this guy's unimpressed because, you know, he's like, well, you don't look like much, I but I could take you. When time clips the man on the ear so hard that it knocks him out. Mm Mm-hmm. And just just boom, right. lays lays them right out. So also, this shows that Taim hasn't uh, taught them a few basics, like the simple fact that unlike women, you can't tell how powerful a man is when he's not holding the power, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, certainly not just by looking at him. Taim now has blue and gold dragons up his sleeves, 
And loose Theron, of course, reminds Rand of how badly he just wants to see that man die. Yeah. Taim mentions that the farm has come to be called the Black Tower. And he's like, but, you know, we don't have to go with that. That's just what the guys have been calling it. And Rand's like, nah, that's OK. You can you can let him. Call and at first, that. he's like, this is a bad idea, but OK. Yeah, well, yeah. I don't want to take this away from them. Right. They need morale. Uh, after surveying the many new recruits, uh, Rand starts into a speech and he explained what's going on with the Aes Sedai. And Rand announces that the men need a name. And he says that the name is Ashaman, a word in the old tongue that meant guardian. He then explains that like the White Tower, they will have degrees of promotion. But unlike the White Tower, no one who comes to train with them will be put out for not having the ability to channel or having only a small ability to channel. Um, instead, they'll main, remain as the first degree, the soldier. Then those who move beyond will be the dedicated and they'll wear a little silver pin on their collar to indicate their rank. And he gives a sword pin to Taim and then explains that the full Ashaman will wear a gold dragon pin on the opposite side of their collar. And he gives one to Taim. So after finishing this, Taim instructs the men to get back to their work. And Taim throughout this seems very like upset or like just bothered, (laughs) like just almost passive aggressively, just like fine. Okay. Right. Yeah, sure. That's fine. Whatever. And (laughs) It's, it's yeah, I guess huh. it's like, you know, like I'm in charge here and you're making it seem like I'm not kind of, I guess, right, exactly. I don't know. He, Rand does kind of notice how upset time is and right, he's right. like, what's, like your, what's your deal? Chill out, man. Golly, I'm trying and to do something good for you here, basically. Yeah. Taim expresses concern about the number of Aes Sedai that are around and mentions that, yeah, it's getting close to 13 and I could kill some of them for you. And <laughs> let me just, you know, just let me kill one or two, man. Rand tells him that if one of the Aes Sedai even dies accidentally, that he'll come and kill him. He's like, well, that's not cool. And uh, and, and this this little lovely moment of bonding is ruined as Luz Theron starts talking to Rand and Rand starts muttering back, which actually elicits a look of concern from Taim. Yeah, Taim's um, like, oh, no, are you going crazy? Right. You know, in this. OK, so this is this is just a little sidebar. Somebody on one of the various Facebook um, threads basically said that they believe that Rand is actually mad from the very first time he hears Luz Theron's voice. Mm -hmm. And it's an interesting, it's like, okay, I've always sort of just assumed he wasn't, that it was just, he was legitimately had, you know, Luz Theron in his head, but it does sort of beg the question. Matt has other men's memories and he doesn't have voices, you know, like there's plenty of others. There's examples of, I mean, Matt being the main one where there's not an actual voice, and I suppose it, to some degree, it's almost academic. You know, it gets back to mm-hmm. to what Davram Bashir said. It's like, well, it doesn't matter if he's mad if he wins. And also, yeah. and also, you know, generally, sort of madness and insanity is a spectrum of 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 sure. potential severity. And so, you know, maybe or maybe not. He maybe he was mad and just imagining Luz Theron's voice. I choose to not believe that. I choose to believe that it actually is for one reason or another Luz Theron in his head. Uh, right. You know, just a sort of a, a, a separate void, disembodied voice that's that it's his own personality. And it's yeah, but it was just an interesting sort of kind of kind of a, approach or, or perspective right. that this, this guy put forward that I don't know. It's a yeah, you can, for you sure. can certainly yeah. see there are definitely times when Rand acts crazy, you know, and it's like, sure. 
but then later there's a there's 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 a spectrum of it anyway right. i don't want to start yeah. spoiling anything but right it's an interesting thing to consider i guess sure yeah especially yeah especially as you do get further into mm-hmm. the, the series um so moving on to chapter 43 the crown of roses Marana. Sionid and Missouri and men are riding back to the inn after a meeting with Rand and they meet up with Varen and Alana. They're still not happy about Alana's forcibly bonding Rand. Most improper. Yes. They're uh, talking about working with the local nobles since Rand isn't interested in talking to them. Otherwise, I said that I'm going to scheme. It's true. Not a whole lot happens here, to be honest. This is a chapters where we have that. It's like you start writing it like writing what happens is like that's not important. That's not important. Why why, why am I writing this at all? (laughs) Yes, exactly. Uh, This is a Marana perspective chapter, which is just kind of odd. Yeah. She muses about who would take precedence in the pecking order since Varen has arrived, since she's older and on equal footing. Mm -hmm. There's enough different variables that it's kind of hard to say, you know, who would really take take precedence should the the two of them have a disagreement so that's you know that's kind of the the main takeaway you know one of the other things from this is the bond is really starting to wear on alana mm-hmm. um who's having trouble focusing as she talks about how terrible the wound in Rand's side is and then the chapter ends with three really quick vignettes of the tower Aes Sedai, elida's Aes Sedai embassy visiting different kyrian and nobles and gathering their support for what is clearly a plan, plan to get Rand out. First, Lady Dylan, then Lord Lewin, and Lady Elorian. And they all seem interested in the uh, possibility of Rand being gone. So, so chapter 44, Color of Trust. Uh, Matt is trying to get any of the Wonder Girls to talk to him, but he can't get an audience with Egwene, and he can't find Avienda or Elaine, while Nynaeve just runs away from him when he sees her. Um, <laughs> this is this is sort of explained later, but I think it's all because she kicked him, and then he like sort of threatened to like lay him over his knee, lay yeah. her over his knee, I guess. Right. And the fact that she can't channel against him, and she's just just right. a little bit like. I don't know if intimidated is the right word, just kind of, she just wants to be away from him. Uh, So Matt does what he always does when faced with an impossible situation. He decides to find a pretty lady to dance with. Mm -hmm. And he does so in Halima. Oh, right. (laughs) We know, of course, Halima is actually the forsaken Arangar, formerly known as, yes, formerly known as uh, Balthamel. And just to make it clear, because I was not at all following this on my first read through and had to consult the wiki several times to get a clear picture of what was happening. Balthamel was with Agenor. He's in the eye of the world. He's one of the like old dudes who was like near the edge of the the seal of the Dark One's prison. So he like aged a ton. (laughs) Yeah. And Balthamel was killed by the green man while striking a fatal blow to him. Um, I want to stress that Agenor is not Arangar. The names just sound similar. Oh, yeah. I was. There's no way I would have known which one of them it was. Right. Because you can't keep a good forsaken down or really because he killed using Balefire. I was going to say, except with Balefire. Yeah. Um, Balthamel. He was uh, spun back out into the pattern by the Dark One as Arangar, not to be confused with Osengar, who's actually Ag- Agenor. Oh, not Ar- Arangar, who, not to be confused with, oh, uh, sorry, I got myself into a loop. Um, 
and none of those are Pokemon. So, so just to recap, Balthamel was spun back into the pattern as a dart one Arangar, not to be confused with Osengar, who's actually Agnor, not Arangar, who is Balthamel, who was Agnor at the Eye of the World. And I can't make that any clear. So, <laughs> not to be confused with Buzz Aldrin. Halima is Arangar, mm-hmm. who's actually a dude and a very pretty lady's body. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it was described as she looked like. A, a woman as a man would design her or would yes. something like yes. that. <laughs> yeah. I, f- I feel like Matt would, would, would be less into it if he knew the whole situation. Yes. Um, but maybe because Arangar is actually a guy who uses Sidene to channel. Mm-hmm. So the mini Aes Sedai cannot feel his, her, their channeling. I need to look up Arangar's Twitter profile and see what their preferred pronouns are. Right. Right. I feel like, that would be on there. Anyway, Matt notes that Halima isn't a very good dancer and keeps trying to lead. Matt goes to leave and feels his foxhead medallion cool, and he looks back at a confused Halima. Uh, he's just, uh, just maybe you should get away from her. Yeah. That's when Morel approaches Matt. And by the way, Morel is one worth remembering. There's a lot of these who are not, but mm-hmm. Morel is, I, I think, in the next book, um, going to become somewhat more important. She approaches Matt and asks him to uh, be her warder. And he's like, that's a hard pass. Instead, uh, Matt goes to ask some pretty young thing to dance. But this young woman speaks with the voice of Swan Sanche and says something about fishing something. I don't don't know. I wasn't I wasn't listening. (laughs) Matt is surprised to learn that not only did Swan Sanche survive her still and kill, but uh, she also now looks young, and while she was actually stilled, she's an Aes Sedai again. Isn't life beautiful and complex? That's just, you know, mm-hmm. um, anyway. Matt, buddy, what did you expect? You went dancing in Solidar. Like, right. how many pretty young things did you think you were going to find that weren't Aes Sedai? Or, you know, um, male forsaken in a lady's body. There you go. Uh, <laughs> there's not a lot of good options for Matt around here, so... About that time, Leon A. steps uh, out and, and offers to dance with him. He He's totally shocked that she's alive, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and a great but, dancer. Right. But of course, he's not going to turn down a dance from a pretty lady. So I do think this reveals Matt's priorities. His dislike of Aes Sedai is strong, mm-hmm. but not stronger than his desire to dance with a pretty lady. Mm-hmm. Um, Especially a Domani pretty lady. Right, exactly. So Liana, Liane um, ends by saying that he's a very good dancer and he should think of it as dancing next time and you'll do better. <laughs> now, what it is remains to be seen. Yeah, yeah. But really, it could be fighting. Yes. Anyway, that that's just one of those things that goes that, that I didn't catch the first time. And uh, the second time I was like, what? Mm hmm. Anyway, the next day, Matt keeps getting offers to become a warder yeah. and finally gets a summons to go see the Amalan seat, uh, where Gwen tells Matt that he can either go to Ebudar with Elaine and Nine and Eve, or he and the band can just get lost. And he's like, um, well, Dad, gum it. I gotta go. <laughs> Gave Rand so, my word. Exactly. Just like the ladies expected he would. Pretty much. So the next day they gather up um, with the Ebudar party, which consists of Elaine, Anive, Birgitta, Avienda, Van Deen, Adelaus, and a warder. 
But as many named characters as it is, it's funny the characters that Jordan doesn't bother naming. Mm-hmm. Like, right. Yeah. Just He's like, got a, yeah. Those are the red shirts, I guess. Those are the we'll ones just... that he, yeah, that he allows to get slaughtered and whatever, <laughs> you know, by random Trolloc number three. Um, so Tom and Julian also show up. Matt brings several of his men. Uh, I think Vannon is there. Yeah. Oliver, yeah, mm-hmm. Nairin, the, the serving man, also joins him. I think some other maybe Malaysian and his um, his man uh, Lupin or something like that. Yeah, well, I'm I'm probably leaving some other named character because there are a few names there that, and I and as I wrote this, I was like, this this is probably somebody's like favorite character. (laughs) I'm just totally (laughs) mistreating them right now. So after everyone is gathered up, Egwene stops by to see them off, and Elaine makes a gateway to a location a few days away from Ebudar and. In they go. Mm-hmm. So chapter 45, A Bitter Thought. A fine example of a named character that we spend a few pages with and never see again. Mm-hmm. Vilnar Barada, one of Bashir's men, is musing about the woman he wants to marry because what's oh, yeah. a throwaway this character like, without a backstory? Sort of confusing. Like, like right. why are we why is this why is this happening? Why is it this random dude? <laughs> Like, I thought there was going to be some payoff and there really right. isn't. Like I thought maybe Vilnar was going to be like who Fael had been pledged to marry or something, you know, some right. like, nope, nothing like that. <laughs> yep, exactly. He's just musing about that when who shows up but a group of farmers carrying longbows, a tinker with a sword, all led by a shaggy bearded dude with an axe at his belt. And who else is at his side but Zareen Bashir. Mm, yep. So he snapped us a few photos for TMZ. Um, (laughs) Everyone needs a side hustle. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And uh, wonders what Zareen's mother will make of this. Oh, yes. We will find out. So we swapped to that. Perrin's been gone for a long time. We haven't seen Perrin in a while. Yes. I was halfway thinking we wouldn't see Perrin at all in this book, but no, here he is. Right. Yeah, it's funny how, you know, he shows up so late in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, so we do swap to that big shaggy bearded guy's perspective. Aaron is clearly a little concerned that they've heard Debrim Bashir is in town, father to Fahil. parents. Yep, yep. This, uh, this concerns both of them, uh, though neither of them will exactly admit it. Um, right, right, right. Everything's cool. Yeah, everything's cool. Right. I feel like we almost need a refresher at this point of who these people are, even yeah, though they're principal yeah, characters. Like, I mean, like they briefly showed up at the beginning of the book, but other than right. that, not a word about it. Yeah, I'm not going to give it to you because that's what the wiki is for. <laughs> there you go. They've apparently been setting things up in the two rivers for, I don't know, a book and a half or something. Mm. Um, making sure everything is good and secure before bringing a group to see Rand. So they come and meet with Rand. Min is there and they have a nice reunion. Fayil is a little jealous of how happy Perrin is to see men. Um, <laughs> she gets over it. And um, yeah, I think she takes, realizes that men is into Rand. And that's right. why. That's the only reason why she's OK with her after that. And right. only sort of OK with her. Right. <laughs> exactly. Really. So she she takes men away to leave Perrin and, and Rand to catch up. So and all of oil. these like all of that stuff is communicated via looks and smells. Right. Yeah, that is one of the fun things about parent chapters now is that like the sharp tang of jealousy or right. Yeah. Yeah. Disappointment. Mm -hmm. And what does that smell like? Exactly. I'm assuming it all smells like B.O. 
Right. <laughs> Precisely. Yeah. So uh, Loyal apparently stopped off in a nearby setting to shake off some fatigue he was feeling, but promised he'd be joining them soon. Mm-hmm. After pleasantries are done, Rand kind of swaps back from being the shepherd to savior of the world again. And he's like, all right, I need uh, you to do something for me. They, they bring each other up to speed about more sober things. Moraine's death and uh, Rand's plan to send an army to Tyr, which he asked Perrin to take over since he had to send Matt away. Right. But Perrin's like, I mean, I'd rather not. I just got here. And then we get into chapter 46, Beyond the Gate. Perrin leaves his meeting with Rand and meets with Davram Bashir. Yeah, the father-in-law isn't super happy that this man no, often, he is not. <laughs> often married his daughter. Bashir doesn't see their marriage as legit mm-hmm. um, because it was done without her mother's permission. I had no problem a, going back to prison. <laughs> that's pretty much what this mm-hmm. is. Yep. He says, uh, if Fail can't get permission from her mother, that uh, Lord Bashir gets I to get kill her. kill you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, um, and I like the phrase, like he phrases it that way. I get to kill. Right, I get yeah. to kill you. Right. Like, <laughs> and, like, and that's not what bothers Perrin. It's just the idea that they won't let him and Fail be married. And so he like crushes his wine goblet or whatever. Like yeah. the, the threat against his life. Eh. It's all good. Bashir says something about having 9,000 men with him, and Perrin asks if they're tougher than Trollocs, um, <laughs> since the, uh, the two rivers took on 10,000 Trollocs. Mm-hmm. Perrin eventually mentions something about being a blacksmith, thinking that this would upset Bashir, but Bashir is like, nah, you know, nobles, it's not like they're special. It's, we need some new blood in the family, basically. Right, yeah. And, and just, if anything, it makes him like think slightly more of him, I think. Right. So after they threaten each other, Bashir's basically like, you're all right, kid. <laughs> right. Yeah. You didn't crumple under the pressure of me threatening to kill you. So <laughs> and uh, so in let's true, see what her mom says. In true Saldean, <laughs> Saldean fashion, like I threatened right. to kill you and you didn't like cry about it. So you're OK. <laughs> yeah. So they, they go to the room where Fail and her mother are screaming at each other until Perrin knocks at the door. I love this. The way this is described. It's like they hear them screaming and then they knock they at the door stop. and then. They just stop and then I come in. Yes. <laughs> um, I'm not going to try to describe this whole whole scene because it's a fun scene. And if you're using our podcast as a refresher, just go back and read this one. It's a fun scene. It is. Yeah, um, it's fun. It is. It's definitely comedic. The main important takeaway is about the nature of Soldean marriages. If you're an adherent to the Enneagram, I am not, but... I, I I think it's interesting to look at. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, we did this in a team building exercise. Right, yeah. The uh, the Saldeans are basically all eights. <laughs> and that is, they view arguing as a form of intimacy. Mm. And they see it as important that a man be able to properly put his wife in her place, not mm-hmm. abuse. Right, and like, and this is just not something that Perrin really either understands or takes to heart fully. And so we get right. several books of him learning this lesson. Right, right, the hard way. <laughs> this is um, a big problem with the slog right here. This, yes. this lack of communication slash difference between cultures, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, and I mean, if you're paying attention here, this actually should make Fail less of an annoying character to you. Sure. 
because it's just her culture right exactly and the the fact that she gets angry and she has expectations of her husband to get angry right and when he yeah. doesn't it's just like she's she's disappointed and let down right or if he gets angry at or something right if if uh, he gets angry at someone else she sees that and almost intimacy. as yeah. yeah, 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 and we see that almost immediately after this. Right. Yep. So, <laughs> sure, it doesn't necessarily make her less annoying if you already don't like her, but it does explain. And her also, character. like, just you know, from our perspective, it's totally backwards, and it is like from coming from our culture, it's not. It's just not what you expect. You know, it's like right. so. It, it does. It it's natural without that framing to be like, oh. Fael, right. awful, <laughs> but right. exactly. you can frame it in the culture in the way that he's portrayed it, that Jordan has put, put it forth, and it makes a lot it's, more sense. It's very consistent, yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So after that, we swap to Rand. Min tells him about some viewings regarding Perrin. Uh, first, she confirms that Fael is the Falcon that she had seen back in, I think, book two, yeah. that Fael will be furious when wh- whoever the hawk is shows up. <laughs> and if, if you've been paying attention, then you already know who the oh, hawk is. Yeah, it's pretty clear. Um, she says that Perrin will have to be there for Ran twice in the future to avoid something bad that's going to happen to Ran. And she kind of is like, I'm not sure if it's not going to happen with him there or if it's what what exactly it is. But he you two need to stay close to one another. Mm-hmm. And so in the midst of this, it's clear that Rand is becoming more and more infatuated with men. Also, mm-hmm. he he before this had definitely only viewed her as a friend. But we, we hear more and more of that in his thinking. Mm-hmm. And there's uh, and also there's some more crazy loose there and mumblings at the end of this little subchapter. We swapped to the point a view of one of the Saladar Aes Sedai. I don't know. She's a Pokemon. Yep. Um, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it was just talking about, she's just walking around. Yeah. They, uh, but she was like trying to go to the library. Maybe. I don't know. Something yeah. Like and then she's stabbed. Yeah, She's like going down an alley and then just gets stabbed by some people dressed right. as an eel. <laughs> so yeah, she's just walking around. She just gets stabbed. So there's a group of men who are dressed as Aiel, but it's clear that they're not Aiel as the man is short and has dark eyes. But Dimera, that's her name, or Dialga, as right. you know, I think you said, right. <laughs> she doesn't realize that. And so want to know what the deal with this is? Well, too bad. She passes out. Mm-hmm. So we swap to Perrin's perspective as he and Fael are shown to their room and Perrin tosses a coin to their servant um, <laughs> nice. uh, who, who happens to be Sulin, who is upset but leaves angrily. Mm-hmm. Fayul explains that she'll be spying on folks for Perrin because that's a wifely duty. He's like, no. <laughs> yeah. And Perrin says, don't spy on Rand. And Fayul's like, oh, no. Yeah, I would never like never. <laughs> uh, yeah. And now I just I just want her to have a valley girl. Yeah. I want all Salvaeans to have a... <laughs> that would be funny if they just all randomly had a valley girl accent. And then after she's like, yeah, of course. And then just to distract him, she's like, hey, we need to get working on those grandchildren we just promised my mother. Ah, right. Like you do. So, okay, now we're back to Dimira, who wakes up in the crown of roses, and she is surprised to be alive, but now remembers that one of her attackers gave her a message for 
to tell the other witches to stay away from the dragon yeah, because all the Aiel totally call Aes Sedai witches. Right. <laughs> yeah. I feel like, come on, Aes Sedai, you guys are... Oh, something. Yeah. Gosh. Or at least but, ask him, like, did you do this? Right. Give him a chance yeah. to say no. I mean, you might not believe him, but at least ask him about it. Gosh. Right. So her warder felt her being stabbed and ran to find her. Then the wounds seemed to have been intentionally non-fatal. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the other Saladar Asadai seemed to think that these were sent by Rand. A heck of um, a, like, a leap of a logical leap. Right. Like, well, the Aiel and around here are all work for Rand, so loyal to Rand, so it must have been his. Like, okay. Then Varen comes in and takes command from Marana, and they decide not to... Uh, meet with Rand for a while. Maybe just, you know, maybe a good idea. I don't know. <laughs> so that's the end of chapter 46 right. and the end of this episode. So I got a couple of spoilers to talk about. So if you don't want to be spoiled, check in with you next week. Did you have any thoughts like spoilerly, um, spoilery yeah, I thoughts? Guess that just that Mazram Taim and his just general like his reactions and, and the way he gets so upset when Rand takes control. It's just like this. It's clear. It's like a smoldering hatred and it's because right. he's a dark friend and it sucks because it's because like you've said in the past, it's like, it's just so obvious that he's evil and you want him to not be, but right. like in retrospect, it's like, Oh my gosh, he's so evil. <laughs> right. Yeah. So and like, I mean, in this book, we see him, you know, turn these Ashaman into these killing machines that just, just like blow up bodies, like right. all this awful stuff. And like, dude, why are you trusting? <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, yeah. I mean, and, and I mean, the only answer is he didn't really have much of a choice. Yeah, though, right, you know? right. Yeah. Um, and at, at, that th point, at this point, yeah, like all oh, the Ashaman are loyal to Mazram Taim. Right. For sure. So he's just like stuck with him and he just sort of has to assume that he's on his side, even though he's acting so ridiculously evil. <laughs> right. He's like, yes, of course, I hear and obey, my Lord Dragon. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like you almost expect Rand to be like, why are you giggling like that? Right. I don't know what you mean. Invisible <laughs> mustache. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, Do you want dreadlords? Because this is how you get dreadlords. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that's. Uh, I think that does it for this episode. As usual, um, ladies and gentlemen, if you would like to reach us, you can um, visit our website at tsmpodcast.com. Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, you can reach us at Podcast TSM. If you write to us, if it's, you know, if you say something nice, we will absolutely give you a shout out. So you can email us at stuff at tsmpodcast.com. And thanks again, as always, for listening. We always, we enjoy doing this and we love to, to hear from you. Until next time, Taisha Armanetherin. <laughs>